Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I'm Ken Levine, your podcast host. This week and next, oh man, I've got a great guest, Preston Beckman. Now, he has been a major force in network programming for over 35 years. He was at NBC during the must-see TV era. He also spent many years at Fox. He is now a media consultant. We've had him on before. In fact, I like to have him on uh, pretty much every year or so to discuss the current state of television. And it is changing so fast that I could have him on once a month. But we discuss in this particular episode the current layoffs, how the broadcast networks are uh, doing these days, how streamers are faring, and that's just for starters. Okay, like I said, this is part one of two. You will learn a lot, and you're going to get a few laughs as well. Preston Beckman, this week on Hollywood and Levine. Well, I always look forward to these interviews, Preston, because I always learn a lot of things myself. So let's just bounce around. We're recording this the very end of April. So I don't want to get into any of the politics, but since it is such a big story, uh, the Fox lawsuit, the $784 million lawsuit. Now, does that really take a bite out of Fox I mean, $784 million sounds like a lot of money, but, you know, it's also Aaron Judge's salary. So <laughs> do, do you think it's really going to have an effect? Uh, I look at it as a win for the Murdochs. Uh, they uh, really did not have to apologize. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will. Fe- I gather they can write off a significant amount of the um what what they're paying dominion and they'll probably turn around and demand um a higher um fee from cable operators to carry fox news uh and the the cable operators will probably comply so i think it's a spit in the ocean uh it's a little bit of a black eye but uh, I think for their audience, they don't care. You know, as long as Fox continues to feed them the version of the world that they choose to believe in, um, life goes on. 
and the other lawsuits that are pending, that's just swatting flies? Or Well, I think they'll approach them the same way, which is um, we'll eventually pay something for this to go away. Um, I never, having worked at Fox FPC for 15 years and getting to know Rupert, um, I knew, I felt that they would never allow him to go on a witness stand, not because he's senile, as you you Mm -hmm. read, but uh, because I don't think he feels that he is beholden to certain rules and decorum in a courtroom that you and I would <laughs> would abide by. Yes, he's above all that, I'm sure. Yeah, and yeah. it would have it would have probably proven Dominion's case for them. So mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Uh interesting. We are at a time in the industry a lot of tumult and Disney is laying off like thousands of employees. Um, does that surprise you, or is this the kind of thing where you've seen it coming? Uh, I I wish I could tell you I I saw it coming. I mean, I could say that, but it wouldn't be true. You know, we're we're in, and we continue to be in this this wacko time where. Tech, I, I believe, and I'm sure we probably talked about this prior, technology started to drive creativity. And by that, I mean that streaming came along and all this these new ways of disseminating information came along and they were cool. And the major players felt they needed to get on board and and get involved with these things. And I think now they're starting to see that the way that they thought these these entities were going to be profitable aren't. And all, whether it's Disney, whether it's Discovery, you know, all of them, Warner Discovery, are starting to realize that it's not as, uh, oh, these are not licenses to print money. If anything, we're still seeing these these things evolve. Uh, the consumer is probably beginning to question whether they require all these streaming services. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about it this morning uh, in light of our conversation, and I was thinking about how cost-effective traditional broadcasting is because you were constrained by the number of hours that you could put on your schedule. That's right. You only had so many hours of prime time. Right. Yeah. So you had 22 or 15 hours. So, um, you know, you would, in, in a you know classic model, you would plan out what your needs are. You would budget no, a certain uh, number of pilots knowing maybe it was a two to one or three to one ratio of, of a pilot becoming a series. And you could manage the number of shows that you needed in order to um, put together a schedule and sell advertising. And advertising was pretty much the driver. You know, uh, now it, it it's evolved into how many shows do I have? 
can, can I tell the, how, how can I tell the viewer that I have 10,000 shows that you can watch and there's no constraint put on the number of shows. So you're spending, you're spending, you're spending, you're putting all this on. And the one thing that hasn't changed is the, are the number of hours that you have to consume media that mm-hmm. hasn't changed. So I think, go ahead, I'm sorry. You're no, right. I was going to say, getting back to the the broadcast model, I think one indication of of how they're being squeezed is you read, and, and to me, this is kind of, you know, unprecedented, that a lot of actors on current hit shows are taking a pay cut to keep it going. On Blue Bloods, um, they took a 25% pay cut. I Love Abishola, they took a pay cut. And on the Dick Wolf shows, he was very clever. He didn't cut salaries, but he cut the number of shows that the actors are are oh. going to be in. And I guess, you know, when you're not getting the ratings, it's hard to justify the prices for commercials. Right. I, I mean, I watch, I still watch the um, 911 shows on Fox because <laughs> it's kind of the first time I felt Ryan Murphy found something that was commercially successful on broadcast network in 911. And the reason why I, I felt that way is because he come up with the most outrageous rescues possible. Well, now when you watch 911, the two shows, they're pretty much soaps. <laughs> you don't see rescues anymore. And, you know, I was joking with my wife. 911 Peyton Place. Well, the reason why is because that's where the money is. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so you would watch these shows and you would see two or three big rescues. And now many of these shows, you don't see any of them. So that's how they've cut back and, and you know, these shows can continue. So uh, it's just all, it's all gotten out of control. And I, I, I think that, um, again, I, I don't know how a lot of things work, but to me, laying off people is probably the least it might work. It might play on Wall Street, but I don't think that solves the problems that uh, these companies are, are dealing with right now. No, I mean, it's basically a Band-Aid. Yes. Okay, so turning to something closer to my heart, sitcoms. Okay. Notice that um, earlier this year, Night Court premiered on NBC, uh, a show that they had so much faith in that they kept it on the shelf for a year. And it did relatively well for them getting a one share. And suddenly the networks think, okay, multi-camera sitcoms are back. Uh, (laughs) Is that the case? You know, uh, networks are always running to the other side of the sinking ship. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of like uh, the way I always look at it. I mean, look, Clearly, when it comes to at least broadcast television, and it actually not only broadcast television, which it applies to streamers as well, um, IP is very important. And the more recognizable a title is, even if it has nothing at all to do with the original show, and I know in the case of Night Court, there is a, a story, that a through story, uh, it helps in the marketing of these shows. 
because again, there is so much out there that if you can, that night court will break through because it's night court. You know, even though it wasn't a, when I was, I used to call night court because I was at MDC during the night court era, I would call it the walk the dog show, which was uh, on Thursday night, you had um, four comedies and, and you had the Cosby show and, and you had family ties and you had cheers and then you had night court. And then you had an L.A. walk. And at some point, you had to walk your dog. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and I, I, I remember telling Brandon Tarnikoff this, and I said, you know, Night Court was the perfect walk the dog show. Oh, you know, if the dog doesn't need to be walked, fine, I'll watch it. It's not terrible. But if the dog needed to be walked, well, here, I have a half hour where I could go out before Ellie Law comes out on and watch the dog, uh, watch, uh, watch the show, walk the dog. <laughs> And I remember thinking to myself that, you know, the goal of, of a, a broadcaster is to make that dog hold it in <laughs> three hours of <laughs> time. But, but seriously, I mean, look, it's why, it's why Quantum Leap came back. And it's why, you know, you see what I, I've always called the colonized hits of the FBI's and law and orders and CSI's. It's, this is all, and, and I don't even say this critically, you know, this is the way um networks you know broadcasters can carve out an audience which is to give them the familiar uh even though it it might only be a title uh you know i mean i was was given the script for matlock which is a cbs pilot Mm -hmm. once you get beyond the name matlock there's nothing nothing at all that it says to, it's not even like this is Matlock's granddaughter or this is Matlock. Nothing other than this person happens to have a name Matlock. <laughs> but you know what? People will tune in. You know, if I ever create another series, no matter what it is or what it's about, I'm calling it Friends. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I'm, I might as well. Or pals. Yeah. Gums. Buddies, comrades, <laughs> do it in, in Russia. Friends, colon pals, you know, <laughs> I, I, exactly. I mean, but and that and and honestly, it's it's a very valuable um, uh, tool to use in terms of trying to survive as a broadcast network. And you see, they're all doing it, and and I don't fault them at all. That's why. Well, there's so much product out there yes. that in order. For something to make an impression. Right. I mean, I've always understood this. Back when I was a top 40 DJ in the early 70s, and all the disc jockeys had interchangeable names like Ed Mitchell and Bobby Wayne, I chose the name Beaver Cleaver <laughs> because the minute somebody heard that name, it registered something. They remembered it. It's like, right. wait. That guy I know, Bobby Wayne, who knows that? Right. I grew up on the other coast where it was Murray the K and his Uh soiree. (laughs) And you always remembered Murray the K. (laughs) Well, getting back to television, um, you know, and the economics of it, you know, I see that ABC has kind of clung to Jeopardy and they did really well with Celebrity Jeopardy. And I'm a big Jeopardy fan, and I swear to God, I couldn't watch it because the questions were so stupid. 
And I'm thinking to myself, is it because they didn't want to show up the uh, actors or do they think that their audience is that dumb that they have to (laughs) make these questions that are absolutely moronic? Well, I I mean, it's probably a combination of those. Well, at least you don't want the actors and actresses to stand there with their hands on the clickers and nobody's answering the questions. And they also, I'm sure they've done some research and they probably found that people who watch Jeopardy in prime time might not be the hardcore Monday through Friday audience and may want to play along more and feel that they're smart or smarter Whereas the, those who watch it on during the week have a different mindset watching and probably watch it for years now yeah. where yeah. they're like, you know, they know the answers. Well, they're also going to do a tournament in May, which is like the Masters, which, you know, they're top super champions. So I'm sure the questions, sure the questions. will be much smarter. Yes. <laughs> Let's see if it does well in the rating or it absolutely tanks. Right. But I seems- I had an idea for a show, which we, I almost went out and pitched, but for certain reasons we didn't, which was to revive the GE College Bowl, mm-hmm. but call it Celebrity College Bowl. And rather than have four smart <laughs> students from a school, have two celebrities, one student and one uh, successful alumni who was not a celebrity. And, you know, when I was thinking about it, I realized you had to change the kind of questions you know you wouldn't be talking about pythagorean theorems stuff like that you know and that was entertainment yeah yeah those those were great well doesn't it seem like the only thing that's really holding the broadcast networks together are live sports and the and the nfl so that's why you know they're paying unbelievable amounts of money just to have the nfl Well, I think definitely. I mean, definitely that's a big part of that. And, you know, we're slowly starting to see the migration of live sports over to streaming services. Mm -hmm. Um, That's part of it. I think the other thing that holds the networks together is that they're part of a larger ecosystem. You know, you and I worked in a world where broadcast television was king or queen, you know, Mm -hmm. they were royalty and everything was below broadcast television. Broadcast television was supplying the shows for syndication and, you know, had its affiliates and all that. Now um, they're part of something larger, you know, more and more uh, broadcast um, network broadcast networks don't even have um, their own development executives, their own program executives. They're, people who who uh, develop both for the network and for the streaming service. Uh, so I think what, what broadcasting is becoming is, first of all, it's still, you know, if you look at the most popular shows, even on streamers, a lot of them started on broadcast TV, mm-hmm. whether it's Friends or Big Bang Theory or, or the Law and Orders. So uh, networks still have a cachet in terms of they will bring eyeballs to the streaming services. 
Uh, also, um, the network shows are immediately put on the streaming services now. So, uh, you know, at least by the next day, anything you've seen on Fox, you, you'll be able to see on Hulu. So uh, they provide streamers with several hours of product each week. And I'm sure those, so they've become almost like the streamers are almost like have replaced the DVR for uh, television shows, network mm-hmm. shows. Uh, I find I watch more and more of, no, I don't watch a lot, to be honest, a lot of network shows anymore. But the ones I watch, I oftentimes watch on, on Hulu. Uh, I don't even bother with the DVR. Oh, I know it's going to be on on Hulu. So they're part of something. They're part of something bigger, and they're no longer the top of the heap, but they're in there, in that whole world of delivering product to the consumer. Right, but at least with a football game, yeah. you are going to probably watch the football game in real time. Yes. Uh, okay. Yes. So you'll That's... actually you won't go. To Hulu until the day, of course, when Hulu is streaming games like Amazon is streaming right. the Rappels, Thursday night games. Or yeah. Apple's doing TV. Yeah. Poorly. <laughs> oh, God. Apple baseball. It's, 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 don't get me started. It's really terrible. I will so, watch it. <laughs> so with fiber optics and people cutting the cord from cable companies and paying only for bundles and things that they want, doesn't it seem like the cable-only channels like USA and Bravo and AMC, aren't they getting squeezed between the streamers and and broadcast? Like, aren't they going to be phased out, you think? No, I mean, they're part of that system i mean you know if you i'm sure if you go to peacock you can stream usa shows um so then what do you need usa is what is what i'm saying i guess right right for the time being they're Mm -hmm. brands so um there are people there are people i mean there's a lot of people in this country and there are people who go i like usa shows you know, I like the, 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 the I like the shows on there. So I might not watch them on on cable, but I can see them on Peacock. Um, mm-hmm. so it's just a good example of that is FX, where you know there are shows that are on uh, FX, the cable, you know, the channel right platform, and shows that are exclusive to Hulu, where it's called FX on Hulu. Mm-hmm. So I think you're starting to see a transition among um, uh, cable networks over to um, to streaming. I mean, I worked, uh, my, my friend Vince Manzi and I worked with David Zaslow on the launch of uh, Discovery Plus. And pretty much, you know, Discovery Plus are all his channels, which you can now watch on, on the streaming, you know, on the streaming service. So uh, 90 Day Fiance, which I, Hate to admit, you know, I'm addicted to mm-hmm. um, Sunday. Sunday it comes on, and you know, a lot of times we'll watch it on Discovery Plus and not on on TLC, right? Uh, so, so if you look at a lot of these uh, streamers now, you you will see the the brands that are under the umbrella of the streamer. right, right. 
but but then at some point do you do you even need the USA cable network? I mean, to me, it's like AM radio, you know, <laughs> where it's really being phased out. If you want to listen to an AM station, you can listen to it online. You can, therefore, you know, if it's on an app, you can listen to it in the car. But, you know, I, I notice like a lot of, uh, you know, car makers, I think GM is going to stop providing AM radio in in new cars. They're, you know, AM radio probably in 10 years is going to be gone. And I wonder in five years, are cable channels going to be gone? I don't think they are. I think it's evolving. I'm not saying in 15 or 20 years, but... You know, we might be talking about the decline, the demise of streamers in 20 years. Yeah, well, something. <laughs> you know, uh, you say what you say about AM radio, but it's still there. You know, yeah. it's, it, we keep talking about. Want to buy a station with me? Uh, you, probably you, buy can, a, you, you can get KFI for $50. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you if you if you're good at what you do, you figure out how to make money. off of it. <laughs> um, But I think I hear what you're saying. And clearly things are evolving, but I don't think they change as quickly as we think they change. You know, they do. I mean, as I said, you know, the broadcast networks are still around. Yeah, uh, they're still attracting by and large, more more eyeballs than anybody else. Are they what, what they used to be? No. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, sports clearly is a, a big fact. I mean, if you look at, I know when I look at Fox now, sometimes I, I it looks like Fox Sports. <laughs> you know, yeah. on, the, on the weekends, they'll go wall to wall with sports. So it is, it is a, it is keeping the networks afloat. I mean, just going off on a tangent, we're talking about sports. So Joe Buck leaves Fox and goes to ESPN for huge money. They're paying huge money for Tony Roma uh, at CBS and for Troy Aikman. And Amazon, I'm sure, is is paying huge money for Al Michaels. And and it, it, it seems to me that people do not tune into football games to hear the announcer. They tune in because of the matchup. That being the case, why give, and I love Joe Buck, but why give Joe Buck huge amounts of money when whoever they put in that seat is going to announce the game, people are going to watch? Uh, I I can't disagree with you. I mean, I, mean, I think... I don't know if it's dick wagging. I don't know if it's like, look who I got. I don't know if it legitimates that they're serious about um, televising sports. Uh, you know, as a, I think to maybe they feel to the average fan, if you've got, if you can go out there and get Joe Buck, you're legit. You know, whether or not it ma- it makes the game any better. You know, I mean, I, mean, I can see that certainly with Amazon getting Al Michaels. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, we're we're big time. Look, I mean, when Fox got football, we went out and got John Madden and Pat Summerall. Yeah. So I think what it, it does is it gives the the network or the 
whatever, you know, it's going to carry a game, some kind of credibility and legitimacy. I mean, the, the, <laughs> I guess the, another way to look at answer your question is look at how bad Apple is. <laughs> that's true they have, no, they have nobody right yeah that's they're, true they're kind of doing what you're saying which is, oh just just throw a bunch of people on and... yeah well but their baseball card i mean that's the th- first of all it's a baseball game in june and it's the pirates versus uh san diego right. and uh, like who who cares yeah, but... Uh, but the announcers are so bad that they detract from the game and yes. you go you know what there's so many baseball games i could watch over the course of a season what am I sitting through this dog for? I, I'm a, I'm a <clears throat> big Kansas Jayhawk fan. So my son went to Kansas. And when they're on ESPN, I'm not going to mention the, out of respect for him, the um, the broadcast, the, 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 the color man. But when he is doing the color for a Kansas game, which he does often, I just don't put the sound on. Mm-hmm. I watch the game with no sound. <laughs> That's how annoying is to me so um I, and i do this uh, if i was going to watch a game on apple i would probably just shut the sound off okay dumping on apple's baseball coverage i think is a good place to leave it for the week come back for part two with preston beckman we're going to talk about uh, pilots programming algorithms and the possible impact of a work stoppage in the industry. Our thanks, as always, to Adam and Susie Meister Butler, to Howard Hoffman, Bruce and Jason Miller. And uh, I want to plug a couple of plays of mine that are currently playing this month. If you are in the Chicago area, Elmhurst, Illinois, the Green Man Troupe is doing Love and Tear Gas. And if you are in Inglewood, New Jersey, right over the George Washington Bridge, so it's it's New York adjacent. It's, it's kind of off-Broadway. But the Black Box Theater has the world premiere of my play Guilty Pleasures. And so if you are in either of those areas... Or I know there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast uh, internationally, um, you know, fly over from Bhutan to see one of these. So uh, that's what's going on for me. You can also get in touch with me at uh, HollywoodLevine at Outlook.com. That's HollywoodLevine at Outlook.com. I'm on Instagram, Hollywood and Levine. You can see my cartoons And again, we invite you to come back next week for part two. And um, oh, one other thing I should mention, in a few weeks, I'm going to do another episode where I answer your questions. So if you have a question for me about the entertainment industry or life in general, you can always just email it to me. Again, that's HollywoodLevine at Outlook.com. Have a good week. We'll see you back here next week. Bye. Hollywood and the Vine.